This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. I think everyone knows me, but if there's anyone that does not know me, my name is Dani. Um, I think we're going to start with something. It's not a new series yet, so I've got this once-off sermon, basically, because we just finished with the series, and I've got this week, and then we're going to Swakop next week, and after that, we started the new series. So I just really asked God for something that's on His heart this morning. And just from what was really cool for me from the past four weeks with the Identity Series, it was really cool for me to see how we can, as a church, grow in a direction, and how God can play something on our hearts, and we can all grow in that. Um, I think the, the topics that were covered by each and every person standing here in front were really um, core foundational questions that we need to ask as Christians when we come to Christ, is who are we? If, if Christ doesn't tell us who we are, we'll always be looking for it, we'll always be searching for it. We need to know where do we belong. We belong in His house. We belong to Him. We belong to Him above anything else. Who He is towards us should always be more important than anything else. Our purpose, our purpose will always be to glorify God, to bring His kingdom, to glorify His name, to bring people to Christ. And our calling will be different because God will use each and every person differently as Ruan was sharing. And, and last, last week as, as Werner was sharing is how can we make a difference? And how we all are capable of making a difference. We are difference makers. We were not created just to survive. We were created, we were created in the image of Christ. We were created to make a difference there where we are through His Spirit, through Him guiding us. And just as God led us in that was really, really amazing. And today we're also going to have opportunity for communion. Um, so we want to try and do that more often in congregation. So I'm really excited for that as well, that we can take communion together and just remind ourselves of what Christ did for us. I will go later into the end of the sermon. I'll explain communion again and just talk about it. It's actually part of the sermon also. So really excited for that. So this morning's sermon topic is, are you in love? As you are sitting here this morning, are you in love? You see, there's a lot of things we can get in love with. There's a lot of things we can fall in love with in life. We can fall in love with our jobs. We can fall in, jobs with, fall in love with our family. We can fall in love with friends. We can fall in love with a car, we can fall in love with a house, we can fall in love with a lot of things, but the question this morning is, are you in love with God? As you are sitting there this morning, can you truly from the bottom of your heart say, God, I love you? When last have you told God that you love Him? When last have you come before God and said, God, I love you with everything within me? You can take everything, just don't take, just don't take your presence. You can take everything away. As long as I have you, it's okay. When last have you come to that place? When last have you come to that place of total surrender saying, God, I love you above everything forever and ever? And what does it look like when you're in love with something or someone? You, you can't stop thinking about them. It's always on your mind. You can't wait to be in their presence. You just want to be with them the whole time. Is that how our relationship with God looks like? Do we think about Him all the time? God, are we at a place where we're like, God, I can't wait to spend time with you tomorrow morning. I can't wait to read my Bible tonight. I can't wait to read more about you. 
Or has it just become a religion? A thing we just do. We just come to church. Oh God, I can't wait to come to church this morning because I'm going to hear from your word. I can't wait to worship you this morning because we're going to glorify your name. I can't wait. Or is it just, ah, another song? How many songs are left? Sure, they have a lot of songs this morning. Are we at that place? Or are we in love with God? Because it's the love of Christ that transforms us. And we do not need to love Him first, for He first loved us. It's not a love that you need to create. You do not need to love Him first. He's a perfect Father that pours down His love on us. All we need to do is respond. Sit and say, God, thank you for your love. I love you back. So this morning, I really want you to ask, are you in love with God? Maybe you were, you were once in love with God. Maybe that, that time when you gave your life to Christ, when you surrendered everything towards Him, maybe that moment you were in love with Him, and maybe a couple of things have happened along the way, and that love maybe has died away. It's been buried away. It's become a religion. It's become something you're used to. You need to go to church. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to help other people. It's become something a part of who you are, but it's not, it's not a response to God's love. And that's when it becomes a burden. That's when it becomes difficult to be a Christian. When it's something that you need to do, you have to do this. I need to do this. Instead of God, I love you. I want to do this. I want to help other people. I want to show other people your love because I'm in love with you, Father. I love you with everything that's within me. I remember once, um, the year I gave my life to Christ in 2015, I came back from a church camp. And when I came back from the camp, I was on fire for Christ and just speaking about Him the whole time. The whole, it's the only thing that can come out of my mouth was just about Christ. And I remember someone told me, what the person told me was, you just came back from this camp, you're just on a spiritual high, it will end. It's not going to last the whole time. Your spiritual high will end. I wish that my spiritual high will never end. Why is it that we come back from church camps or conferences and a seminar or whatever you attended, and then you're all of a sudden filled with Christ and you're filled with His love. Why? Because you spent a weekend in His presence. You do not need a church camp to be on a spiritual eye. You need His presence. You need time with Him. If you took this past weekend and you said, God, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to read Bible and worship you. And I'm going to invite a couple of friends and we're going to do it together. And we're just going to speak about you. I can give you my word that this morning you would have been on the spiritual eye. Why? Because you spoke about Christ. You loved Him. You worshipped Him. You were in His presence. And we have the boldness and the ability to be on that spiritual eye our whole life. You do not need a church camp to go on a spiritual eye. Church camps are amazing. I'm not taking that away. But we do not need to be reliant on it. I remember also a, thing, a big thing I had to go through when I came back from Porch to Walfish Bay. Because in Porch, there was this great Christian community. It was really good. And there were worship evenings, and there was this, and there was that the whole week. Almost each evening, there was something you can go to that was spiritual, where people come together and worship God. So I was used to that. And then I came to Walfish Bay, and now all of a sudden, there's no worship evening on a Thursday evening. 
And then what happened? Other things took the place. The time I would have spent from seven to nine worshiping God, I was playing squash or I was doing something else. I did not replace that time with time with God. And soon I was dry. <laughs> I was not experiencing God as I used to. I was not intimate with him as I used to be. Why? Because I wasn't spending time with him. I wasn't getting to know him better every single day. Because we allow other things to take the time that we used to spend time with God with. And when we come to Christ the first time, there's this, this fire and this desire. And you can see when someone just came to Christ and they're on fire. There's the zeal. All they want to do is they want to spend time with God. And I really love to see people who've been following Christ for 20 years that still have that fire. And that's only possible when you spend time with Him. The only way you can fall away is when you, when you start thinking you can do it on your own. When you start thinking, I've got this. I know God, I know the Bible, I know where to find the scriptures, I can memorize, I can, I can give you a couple of scriptures, I can tell you a couple of theological points, I can tell you, I know these things. I can have an argument with someone if they, if they don't agree with me. I've got, I've got this. But where's God's presence? Where's the intimacy with him? So the scripture I want to read this morning is Revelation 2. It's actually a scripture that Angus Bachan was also sharing on his mighty, mighty men camp. And it's Revelation 2, verse 2 to 5. It says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and you have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come, too quickly. I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. So, what do we need to do if you're sitting here this morning and like, Donnie, I don't feel like I'm loving God. I don't feel like I remembered my first love. What do you need to do? Unless you repent. It's not a complicated cycle. You do not need to fast for three weeks. Fasting for three weeks is great, but it's not a requirement to remember your first love again. It's not a requirement to be intimate with God again. All you need to do is repent. And to explain the word repent, repent is not being sorry. Repent is turning away from where you were. Repent is saying, there where I was, I don't want to be that way anymore. I do not like that. I don't want it a part of my life. I never want to be there again. I repent, Father God, forgive me. And then you turn in a different direction. That is true repentance. It's turning away from where you were. And we need to come to a place of repentance, of saying, Father God, I repent of forgive, forgetting my first love. It's our first love because he loved us first. Before your father loved you, before your mother loved you, before anyone loved you, he loved you. He created you, as Ron said, he created you on purpose for a purpose. He's the one that placed you in this church this morning. He's the one that called you into his presence. He's the one that, that told you about who you are. 
We can't forget our first love. We need to remember that Christ loved us first. And this morning, I really also want to say that I almost did not preach this message because of feeling, yeah, I don't even have it all together. How can I come in front and speak of all these things? So I really want to say I'm not saying any of these things out of a place of I've got it all figured out and I've got it all together and I'm so intimate with Christ and holy schmoly, not at all. I'm still figuring it out. I'm trying my best and I just sense we just need to come out of a place of saying, God, we want to love you above everything else. And so what, what causes us often to, to leave our first love, to forget about our first love? To, to, to look back and say, sure, I'm not where I used to be. I can see how a year back I was at such a good place with God. Maybe a month back you were at such a good place with God and now all of a sudden you're like, yeah, where's God? What, what causes that to happen? What, what causes us to come to that place? And It's oftentimes because we get a, a second, a third, or a fourth love. We forget the first one. And there's something new. There's something else. There's something else that's stealing our time. Maybe it's worries. Maybe it's situations that are stealing your joy. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a job. It can be anything. You see, just be, I'm not saying jobs are bad. I'm not saying family is bad. I'm not saying trying to change a difficult situation is bad. I'm just saying those things should never steal our love of God. Our love of God should always be above everything else. Nothing should be able to interfere between you and your love for God. Because that's when we get tired and weary. And it's tough being a Christian, man. It's so difficult. We're, so, we're in the minority. No one sees it as I see it. Nonsense, man. We've got Christ. We've got Christ within us, the hope of glory, of everlasting life that reigned over all the earth that died and rose again on the third day, living inside of us. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives inside of us. How can we say it's tough? There's someone else at your work, at your job, in your family that does not have that spirit inside of them. How much more tough must it be for them? They don't have a Holy Spirit. They don't know God of all creation. They don't know God the Father. But we as Christians come and say, oh, it's so tough. How much more tough is it for them? Christ rose again in victory. I'm not saying it's not going to be difficult. It's not going to, I'm not saying it's not going to be difficult situations. Christ said you're going to have trials and tribulations, but I will be with you. There's not mo one moment you have to feel like you're alone. There's not one moment where I will not be alongside you. And that's what we've got that the world doesn't have. And we need to share it. We need to give it to other people. Because we've got it for free. Freely we've received from Christ and freely we should give it to others. But then we're stuck in a, in a mindset and a, and a mentality of it's so tough, no one's going to want what you have. Because if it's so tough for the Christian, why should I become one? 
We need to live in the victory that Christ has for us, and we cannot do it on our own. If you're going to try and get this victory mindset of, I've got this, it's, I'm overcome, as I said in the beginning, you're missing the plot. It's not on your own behalf. You cannot do it on your own. It's only because we love Christ, and He loved you first. That should always be the foundational core. It should always be as a place of responding to the love He has for you, of being intimate with Him, of spending time with Him and getting to know Him better the whole day. And the love we have towards Christ should, it should be different to the love we have for anything else. You say, we can say we, we love our job. I, I love the color blue. I love coffee. I love this. I love that. I love God. How can we, comp- I'm going to go into that scripture later about the two different words of love that is used in the Greek, but But the love we have for Christ should not be able to be compared to any love we have for anything or anyone else. Because it should be above anything. So let's read in in John 21, verse 15 to 17. It's where where Jesus confronts Peter and asks him the same questions. Peter, do you love me? So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. You see, the the first two times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? The Greek word he uses is agapai. The word agapai means an unconditional love. It's a love, as I said, Nana, that cannot be compared to any earthly love, it cannot be compared to the love you have for anything else. It's an unconditional love that's above everything. And Peter responded with the word filio. Filio is a brotherly or friendship love. So Jesus was asking Peter, do you love me unconditionally? Do you love me even if you have to die for me? Do you love me even if you're going to end up in prison? Do you love me even if it's going to cause you to be shamed by other people? Do you love me even if other people are going to laugh at you? Do you love me unconditionally? And Peter responded in a friendship, brotherly love, Yes, Jesus, I love you. I like who you are. I enjoy your presence. But what happens when the brotherly love is, is under question and times get tough and situations are difficult? It fades away. It will fade away. When times are tough, you, you forget about the brotherly friendship love. But an unconditional love cannot be shaken. It cannot be changed. It cannot be wavered. Nothing can take it away. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Because it's unconditional. The love we have for Him should be unconditional. So this morning the question is, 
Do you agape Jesus Christ? Do you agape God the Father? Even if loving Him will, in, will cause you to end up in prison. You see, I, I shared last night also with Anushka is the underground church, they can't be lukewarm Christians. If you're in China or any of those countries where, where Christians are persecuted, you can't be lukewarm. Because if you're lukewarm, you're not going to risk your life. Those churches come together and they worship God with everything that's within them just because there's someone with a Bible. There's someone who can read to them from God's Word. And they will run, they will walk, they will make a plan for hundreds of kilometers just to come to church to hear His Word. And they thrive. The underground church is thriving because it's a bunch of people coming together who are in love with God that are willing to die right now. It's not a label of I'm a Christian, I believe there's a God. It's I'm in love with God, I will die right now. That's an agape love for Christ. Being willing to surrender everything. Are we? Do we agape Jesus Christ? Or has it become a, a norm? Something we just do every day. See, now we can, I'm going to go into a couple of things we can do to, to remember our first love. There's a couple of things that God leaves us in Scripture. He left us the Bible to tell us, I, I know, we can see from the time of Israel that the people were, were, were tending to forget God. It's not a new thing that people forget who God is. It happened all the time. Just read Scripture. But God gave us ways in which He tells us, do this, do that. And I ensure you, you won't forget your first love. And the first one I want us to go into is love God's Word. So I want you to ask you this morning is, do you love God's Word? Do you love reading Bible? Do you love reading Scripture? Do you love sitting with your Bible in front of you and saying, Father God, what do you want to tell me this morning? See, Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and to joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When last have you meditated on God's Word? Or are you living from a verse of the day? Ooh, verse of the day. Ah, this is applicable to my life. Ah, nice. That's my word for the day. I do not need to read any more Bible for today. It's okay. I've got a verse. Why don't you get a book of the day? There's so much more. You see, when you can see when someone just came to Christ, they can't wait to read Scripture. They can't wait to read more of God. They can't wait to spend more time with Him because they don't know what's lying ahead in the next chapter. They haven't heard the stories, but we get used to it. I know the stories. I know what's coming next. I know what happened. I know it. 
There's no hunger. You see, the Word of God is living and powerful. It's able to transform us, to create us into the image of God. He left it there for us, saying, here it is. Enjoy it. But we take it for granted. As I said, none of the underground church, they will, they will travel hundreds of kilometers just to read Scripture. We have it there. I don't think there's one person here this morning that does not have a Bible. But we neglect it. So has the Bible just become another story to us? Is it just something we read? Or is it a love letter from God? Do we believe what the Scripture says when it says, it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart? The Word of God is able to convict you so badly you will not be able to stay the same. There's a story of Brian Welch. He was the lead singer of Korn, a heavy metal band. And he was in his hotel room. And there were these Bibles in the room. And he was feeling really at a tough place with his family, his child. And he was in drugs and everything. And he could not be different. And he said, God, I've heard of you. Someone's preached about you before to me. Give me a word. Give me a scripture. He opened his Bible and he read, Those who are tired and weary, I will give you rest. Whole life changed through one verse. One verse changed his whole life. And not only his life, but all those lives he will touch after that. Do we believe the Bible has that ability? Do we believe the Bible has the ability to change your life? Do you believe that God's word is able to take your situation and change it? The next one that we can do is prayer and fasting. Do you love prayer and fasting? Or is it something that's just there? 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 to 18 says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. When was the last time that you fasted without anyone knowing about it? Just because you seek God's face. Or is fasting something you just read about in the Old Testament? It's not applicable to you. It's only for the holy people. The church leaders should fast. Let them do it. When's the last time you fasted? Why? Why not? Why don't you fast? What's your reason? Because we, we're selfish. We take God for granted. We're so consumed with our own desires and our own needs and our own things we need to do, we forget about God. Are we so hungry for God, we're willing to say, God, I don't want to eat. I'll just drink water because I want to know you better. I want to know you better, Father. I want your presence in my life. When last have you come to God before Him in prayer saying, Father God, this is the will. This is, what, this is what's on my heart. I declare this over my town. I declare this over my country. I declare this over my church. I declare this over my family. I'm standing in the gap. 
Why are we only three or four people at intercession before church and on a Tuesday morning? Why? Why, church? Do we love prayer and fasting? Do we understand the power of prayer and fasting? Do we understand that God says prayer is declaring my will? Declare is saying, God, I know this is your will. I'm declaring it into life. Standing in the gap for other people who are lost so that they can come to meet Christ. Why is it not in our churches? Why is it not in our church? Why are we not a church that is hungry for prayer and fasting? Why? The next one is worship. Do you love worshiping God? Are you at a place in your life where you cannot wait to come into God's presence and worship Him? And worship is not a song. Worship is not just singing words. Worship is an attitude of the heart, a positioning of your heart saying, Father God, I worship you. I worship you above everything else. You are so good. It's Matthew 15, verse 8 to 9, had the same problem. Jesus says, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. It is the same thing. People are worshiping God with their mouths. They're singing songs, but their hearts are at a different place. When last have you worshipped God in church or in your room without thinking about anything else? Just Him. Do you have a personal life of worship? Do you go to your room on your own without anyone knowing, saying, this next hour I'm just going to worship God? Or in your car while you're driving somewhere, do you just put on worship music and just say, I'm just going to worship right now? Above everything and anything else, I'm just going to worship God. Forget about everything else and I just want to worship you. I want to lift up your name, Father. Or is it just a singing of songs? You see, I think if Jesus was in our church and he was standing right here this morning in worship, our worship would not look like it looked. It would look totally different. Do we truly worship out of a place of knowing Jesus is here? God's spirit is within us. Knowing that the temple of Christ is in us, with us, gathering with us. Or is it just a song that we sing? I know all these things are very hard. I'm sorry, I'm not angry at anyone. (laughs) As I said in the beginning, I'm preaching to myself as well. All these things I'm saying to myself also. I'm not standing above. I'm right here together with everyone else. Because I think it's, God just deserves so much more. If God is truly the creator of the universe, he just spoke a word and the whole world came to being. Does he not deserve more? Not because you have to, because he deserves it. As I said in the beginning, he loved us first. 
We're just responding to the love he had for us first. The next one is fellow believers. Do you love coming together with fellow believers? Do you love the gathering of the saints? Meeting with fellow Christians and speaking about him and and talking to God and lifting up his name together. So it's Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25. It says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the matter of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So what we can see from that scripture is it says we gather together, firstly, to stir up love and good works. Secondly, to exhort one another. And we can also see that it's not a new thing that people isolate themselves. The scripture is there for a reason. It's probably applicable to that time as well. Where people neglect the coming together of the saints. Where they neglect the time of coming together with fellow believers. I have too, I have too much work now. I can't, I can't go to small group. I've got this issue, I've got this issue at home. I, I can't come to church right now. We keep on placing things above. God tells it to us. Don't neglect it. Don't neglect it. I'm telling you, don't neglect it. Because we can stir up good works. You can come to church, speak to someone. Someone tells you, man, this happened. We did this last week. We went on an outreach. Wara, wara, wara. Yo, that's so cool. I want to join next time. Come, I come with. Stirring up good works among each other. Do we do it at church? Do we stir up good works among each other? Joining each other, making each other a part of what we're doing in community, in family, making a difference in Wolfish Bay? Do we exhort one another? Exhorting is lifting someone up above yourself. Saying, man, that's so great. Well done with doing that. Exhorting one each other, encouraging each other, lifting each other up. So that when you, come, when you leave church, if you were weary and tired when you came to church, that when you leave, you feel exhorted. You feel lifted up. You feel encouraged. That's what church should be. And I don't want this message that I'm preaching now. It sounds very hard. I don't want it to be a condemnation of, oh man, I'm falling so short. And that's the exact reason why I almost did not preach it. It's because I felt like the same way. It's only possible through Christ. The more you feel like you can't do it, the more you should be running towards him. And that's the best place we can be. It's running into his arms. Saying, God, I can't do this. I'm not capable. I can't do it in my own strength. I need you. And he will meet us. He will be there with us. The last one is taking communion. Do you love taking communion? Matthew 26, verse 26 to 28. It says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, 
which is shed for many of the for the remission of sins. When last have you taken communion as a family at home? When last as a father or mother have you sat with your family and your children and said, this is communion, this is the bread, this is the wine, this is what it means, explaining it to them and having it together? When last have you done it on your own, just reminding yourself of what Christ did for you? Or do we wait for the church to do it? The church should be doing it, but we should not be reliant on the church. You can do it at home as well. So, so just a short explanation of communion is the wine is the remission of sins. The grape juice, the remission of sins. It's cleansing us, making us clean, making us spotless before Christ. That when God looks down of us, down at us, he sees Christ, the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice, forever and ever. For always, it will look like that. As we said in the beginning, all you need to do if you've forgotten your first love is to repent. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. It's not a lot of tasks. It's simple. It's the simple gospel. We do not need to overcomplicate it. The bread is something I feel like we often forget about. You see, we always take, this, take the wine, we take the cleansing, we take the cleansing of our sins and the cleansing of our, our emotions and everything of that. But his body was broken so that we do not need to be broken. He took all shame upon himself, hanging naked, being spat at, being cursed at, being shouted at, being laughed at, while living the perfect life. Not sinning once. Dying shameful on a cross. So that you do not ever need to be ashamed. You do not ever need to be ashamed of anything. Because he took everything upon himself. All shame. All brokenness. All sore. We can pray for healing of people's bodies. Why? Because Christ was broken for us. Do we remind ourselves of that regularly? So I'm starting to finish off now. And I do not want anyone to leave this morning feeling discouraged. Please. That is not my heart this morning at all. It's really simple. If you felt the Holy Spirit ministering to you this morning saying, maybe I've forgotten my first love. Maybe I'm not there where I should be. Maybe I've, got, I've, I've placed a second and a third and a fourth love above the love of God in my life. Repent. That's all. All you need to do is turn away. And then after you've turned away, all you need to do to, to make sure you stay there is, is apply these five things we've spoken about. There's, there's a lot more in Scripture than the five I've, I've singled out this, year, this morning. But I just felt this five on my heart. So 
Read scripture. Love being in God's word. Love spending time with him. Love reading the Bible. The Old Testament, the New Testament, everything. Love prayer and fasting. Love praying for other people without them, any, any, without them ever knowing about it. Love fasting without anyone knowing about it. Knowing that you're doing it purely because of a love for God. Love worship. Love worshiping God. Start worshiping God at home. Start worshiping God in your quiet place. So that when we come to church on a Sunday, you do not only start worshiping by the third song. Because when you're already worshiping through the week and you're already at a place of intimacy with Christ, you're just going to walk in here and when the first song comes, you're going to be like, Hallelujah, praise God, He's so good. Love fellow believers. Love coming to church. Love coming to small group. Love meeting with fellow believers and, and speaking to them I'm sp- and stirring up good works and exhorting each other. Love communion. Love reminding yourself of what Christ did. Love reminding yourself that, that you can't do it on your own. That we need Him above everything else. Are you in love? Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.